20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold as we inch our way closer to the NFL draft. It's coming up in just a few short days. My name is Mike Wendland. I'm joined by Matt Fralick and Gage Bridgeford as we're going to break down some of the sleepers for this 2021 NFL draft season. We each got a trio of players to, to talk about. And these are guys where they're not household names, but we all think they're going to be good NFL players sooner rather than later. And guys, four short days. We're there. We're almost there. I'm getting ready, man. I'm super pumped. Like it's it's creeping up on me, and that's that's a good thing because it's just all of a sudden it's going to be here, and we're going to be fully immersed in an absolute firestorm on Twitter with the Packers Twitter. Um, I'm excited to break down the sleepers a little bit different than what we've done with the receivers, linebackers, and running backs. Um, we don't have a you know one position to go off of. There's hundreds of guys we could have on this list. I'm pretty pumped from the names we have on here. A variety from small school, big school. Um, but I'm excited to to break down it because everyone's got their own their own take. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm glad it's here finally. I feel like this slog between free agency and the draft just seems to take forever. And I'm like, I'm done. I've like we've watched the guys. We've seen them all. We've watched every bit of tape on them and going back to middle school and elementary school on some of these guys. You got to go that far back for Trey Lance to have as many passing attempts as Trevor Lawrence does. And I'm just like, can we just get it over with? Like, let's go. Let's get it done. Let's figure out where all these guys are going to go. I've read my 17th mock draft of the last two weeks, and they've all been from two different people. So a total of eight mock drafts from like two different guys. And I'm just like, let's go. We're done. Mm-hmm. We, we know who everybody thinks is going to go where. Let's actually figure it out. Because, I mean, with the news that Zach Wilson's no longer – like, he's still a favorite, but he's not necessarily a huge favorite to go number two to New York. Maybe the draft starts at two instead of three like we all think it does. So, yeah, I'm – like Matt said, there's a lot of sleep – there's a lot of household names in this draft, but there's a lot of guys that are flying under the radar that I'm excited to talk about today. For sure. So let's jump right in. But before we do, cook your mind as well to find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast and our YouTube channel. Andy's been doing great work on there. And just find us for the Packaday Podcast. So let's jump right in. And Gage, you have four players. So let's start on, on, on the offensive end. We have a couple of receivers. Let's start with your top receiver that you're going to talk about. So my receiver that I'm talking about today is Shy Smith. Uh, Shy Smith is a guy that I feel like has really flown under the radar for a lot of people he's out of south carolina he's a senior uh 510 186 so he's not the biggest guy on the block and that's one of the reasons why he has flown under the radar a little bit but but i'm just i'm a big fan of the guy and what he can bring to the nfl i think that he is a i think he's a consistent player i liked what i saw on tape in terms of his ability to succeed despite his situation he never had a consistent quarterback which if you watch Brian Edwards last year, you already know that South Carolina's had issues with quarterback play. And that was con- that was consistent with Shai Smith. Uh, and I think honestly, I think he fits well in Green Bay because he could be a traditional slot receiver. He's a little smaller than they typically like to go. But at 5'10", 186, you're g- going to probably be able to get him in the fourth, fifth round, maybe. And then and it's OK. You can kind of ignore your heights at that point and you can focus on just trying to get a guy that can fit in on your offense. And Green Bay doesn't need him to play from day one, but he could contribute as a 
as a rookie because he is so refined at, and he's been around for so long. I love getting guys that are seniors, especially on the second and third days of the draft, because they I know that they might be able to contribute from day one when you might not get that from younger, more raw guys that are, say, a redshirt sophomore or a like a true junior and just whatnot. So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of experience. He can fit in a West Coast scheme. He's a slot. He's a slot player at the next level. So fits in Green Bay, fits in need. There's just there's a lot of things to like about him. For sure, and I have up on, on a different screen the breakdown of him from The Athletic and Dane Brugler's top 300 big board. And this is what he says about Shai Smith. Always running full goal, never have speed, has the foot quickness to separate and the ball skills to make acrobatic grabs. He feasts on a lot of quick hitting underneath targets and relies more on dynamic acceleration than crafty movements. Overall, he needs to be more consistent as a finisher and rhythmic with his patterns, but he has outstanding play speed and competitive toughness with a my ball attitude required for slot work. He projects as an immediate contributor on offense and special teams. Yeah, that screams Green Bay Packer. <laughs> it does. That's exactly what they need. And if and he's rated 129th on that big board from Dane Brugler. So if he's there in round three or round four, mm-hmm. you got the I think he's you gotta think he's on the short list of guys to come in, especially a guy with that kind of experience, a senior. He's played a lot of football. That's that's the Packers want guys who can who can uh, adapt fairly quickly now, I think. To be the contrarian of the group, uh, obviously you said gauge size is a factor. Also, the RAS score a little bit lower than they'd like to see, 6.79. But if a kid can ball, the kid can ball. So he might be a project guy for a receiver position. For sure. So let's move on to another receiver that I, uh, I've i been thinking about for a while. And this is a guy from the Big Ten. I'm not sure he's even going to get drafted, but that's Josh Amaterbebe from the University of Illinois. 6'2", 215, athletic freak. All he does is goes and gets the football. And all the talk is there's, what, two receivers under contract after this following season? Monterey could maybe take over that MVS role after a season. He's a guy where he's physically got everything you want, never had a quarterback at Illinois, barely had a coach at Illinois. He's a guy where if he develops properly with the right coaching, with the right guys, I think that that he's could he's a really dark horse who could step in and be a contributor pretty quickly at the NFL level and a very big contributor at the NFL level. What? Why do you think he's not going to get drafted? Because I I mean I don't disagree with you. I, is that is that just because of his lackluster of statistics coming from Illinois? Not a great you know at this point school. I I saw you take the the the, the jab at Lovey Smith there, Mike. Don't think that's slipped under the radar. Or is also it? Or, yeah, right. Ooh, geez, double whammy. Um, or is it just the the plethora of receivers again that we're seeing in this draft class? I think it's a little bit of both. I think there there's a lot of receivers in this class. He didn't have the greatest numbers at Illinois. He's a redshirt senior. He was a little bit inconsistent, but part of that could be also quarterback play. And he's right. still pretty limited to be a pretty much a vertical guy at this point. But as a D three flyer, he's a guy where I think it's it's a there's a little bit of risk, but it is a very high reward and a very high ceiling for him. And plus, how often do you want to hear from Wayne Larravee completion to Amater Bebe? Uh, more than once, I guess would be my answer. Unless it's against Green Bay. <laughs> I mean, so I was curious about him because, Mike, when you mentioned him, I obviously I knew athletic freak, like you said. And so I pulled up his mock draftable chart just to kind of get a look. Broad jump in the 97th percentile, vertical jump in the 99th percentile, 
And actually, I did just a little bit of research on his his vertical jump is like the best since 1999 of all players at all positions. Um, and it's the best since like 2015, 97th percentile on the bench. And I was like, huh, I know of another buddy, but his, his 40 was only a four five three. And I was like, huh, I know of another guy in recent memory that I felt put up decent, like athleticism, but he wasn't super fast. Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin last year. Mm-hmm. Quintez had Burton in the 84th percentile, broad jump, 72nd, bench press, 96th percentile. So yeah, no, Evander Bebe is a little more impressive there, but similar in terms of they they weren't super they weren't agile. Vert three cone drill for Quintez was in the 12th percentile, and it's in the 23rd for Joshi Murtabebe. So again, similarities there. Uh, Cephas wasn't drafted until what the fifth round last year, if I remember round, correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Went to Detroit. And he was their only receiver that stayed from last year because they let everybody else walk. Um, I think Emerto Bebe is a more athletic guy than Cephas, and I think that he, I think he'll end up getting drafted. There's, he's just one of those guys where you take chances on athletic freaks, and you're willing to live with a miss. Like if you miss because of, on a guy that is six foot six, that's basically six one, two hundred eighteen pounds, but he can jump out of the gym. You're willing to miss on that guy more than you're willing to miss on a, let's say, Shy Smith, who was 5'10", 186, not necessarily a super freak athlete. So, yeah, I get So I think that he'll end up getting drafted. I think probably going to be around four, probably around five, just because, like Matt said, this draft class is super deep at receiver in terms of maybe not top end talent, but there's a ton of depth talent, especially mm-hmm. on day two, like uh, Tyland Wallace's uh, and then just some of those and some of those other guys in that day two range, like Amon Ross St. Brown and whatnot. So I think, Matt, you got a point there. I th- and But Mike, yeah, it's a good guy that will fly under the radar and he can fit the MBS role a little bit. He's maybe more of a jump ball threat, like similar to Alan Lazard than uh, MBS, but he is not a bad athlete at all. For sure. So let's keep that on the offense because I know we have a lot of guys to talk about defensively. Gage, you have a couple offensive linemen. Well, Matt, does, so Matt, we'll go with your, your – you have an offensive tackle coming up, so let's, let's talk, see what you got. I do, and when we were going around here beforehand, I feel like this got uh, – I know it got Gage's eyebrows raised a little bit. I think it Mike did the same, but um, Spencer Brown, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. Uh, I saw some reviews on uh, Spencer Brown, and someone described him as like a prototypical Madden-created offensive tackle. Um, 6'8", 311, huge arms, senior, redshirt senior, like I said, from Northern Iowa. This guy is an absolute monster. He flashed at the uh, senior bowl. He's just a solid – prototypical offensive lineman. They compare him to Jared Valdir, as we've talked. Not the best is the comparisons, but that's a, that's been a guy that's been able to make a living at the right tackle for his entire career. Um, I think there's a ton of room for growth for him. You can't teach height. He add maybe a little bit more um, lbs to you know bulk up a little bit. He added 100 pounds since high school, actually, which is insane. But he had 100 pounds since high school. That's that's what I'm reading here. What, do, wait, okay, that's what I was. That's what, what was going to be my next question. I was like, what position did he play? Because there's no way he came to the came to college playing tackle at 211. Mm, probably not. Definitely a definitely a like let's get in the cafeteria a couple times a day type dude. But I just think he's he's got a good motor. Um, I think he's he's not a if you will like you like you said Gage like if he's six eight what type of athletic ability is he? Obviously he came in at two hundred some, so he's he's a little bit more fluid on his feet than a guy that's just been enormous his whole life. But I think he could fill in on either side. And for me, like I, I've been saying for a couple 
months now the Packers need an offensive lineman in the draft preferably a tackle someone that can play either side of the ball um, I think this would be a guy that could contribute but I think any team if they were draft Spencer Brown uh, obviously out of a smaller school Northern Iowa definitely becoming more of a um, uh, you know an under the radar type team in NCAA but I look at Spencer Brown being a prototypical size long arms you can kind of massage him into a starting role at some point maybe in his year two or year three in the league so you were saying that he's probably a little bit better of an athlete, especially for like six eight, or you're kind mm-hmm. of hoping he's a better athlete. So right. you guys know I love mock draftable, and if you've not looked at his mock draftable chart, I encourage you to do so. 98th percentile in height, obviously. 82nd percentile bench press, and this is among tackles. 98th percentile 20 yard shuttle. 99th percentile three cone drill. 97th percentile broad jump. 86th percentile vert jump. 95th percentile 40-yard dash, 93rd percentile 20-yard split, 91, 91st percentile 10-yard split. Yeah, dude's an athlete. Yeah, and, so a, and a, perf- a perfect 10 on the RAS. If yeah, other check, than like out. other than weight, he like other than weight, he's and he's got a kind of a scrawny arm length, like 34 and three quarters, which is what I mean. That's like scrawny for tackles, but in this class, that's like miles long because this class of tackles is notoriously short-armed. Um, some of his like best comparables athletically are Colton Miller, who obviously just signed a new deal, Eric Fisher, Lane Johnson, Taylor the Wan, um, and I'm kind of leaving out some of the bad ones like uh, like Jason Spriggs, um, Jake Fisher in that list. So, but yeah, I like Spencer Brown. I think that he's a guy that can fit in Green Bay. He uh, is a passing style uh, tackle, which with Rodgers or Love under center in the future, you need a pat, you need a guy that can pass block well. Uh, he's not a true road grader, but at six eight, he's like he his big thing is going to be leverage. Like yeah. if he gets it, like if he figures out how to use his leverage, like with how high he is, that'll be a big thing. And as well as his lateral mobility, he's good straight line, decent. Like I said, his three cone drill was impressive. It was 97th percentile among tackles, or no wait, no 99th percentile among tackles. That's great, but NFL being good in the NFL laterally is different than being good in college laterally. So, but I like the Spencer Brown call out. Definitely a guy that it's weird for big guys to fly under the radar, but Spencer Brown is really doing that. And I think a main reason why is because of where he went to school and only being 311 pounds. 100%. If he if he could put on some weight, that's a good good player to build around. I agree yeah, for sure. For sure, Brown's a guy who's and he's starting to rise a little bit too. We're probably going to hear him on day two, I think. Uh, he may even end up crawling the top 100. I know uh, the Athletic has him at 100 even. Uh, talks about his pad level, his body flexibility. He's going to be able to mirror handle space. He's a de- developmental guy. He would have, I, I think he's a good fit. He would have been a perfect Packer draft pick last year when they had brought in Ricky Wagner. They had still had Billy Turner. He could learn under those guys, long-term right tackles, and then step in a year or two later. He's a guy who's he's, he's – He's probably not going to be starter ready right away. He's going to have to take mm-hmm. some time moving up from the FCS that really didn't play last year to the NFL. He's he's and, and getting back in the weight room a little bit with a professional uh, weight weight staff in the NFL, dietitians, all that stuff. He's going to have to bulk up a little bit, but for a prospect, he's definitely flew under the radar for a long time. His name's going to be heard a lot more this next few days. And I, I do like the call that you got for him, Matt. He's, he's a guy to really pay attention to because I can see him in Green Bay, especially with all that athleticism. That, that I can see them wanting Adam Senevich to work with him. Definitely. And staying on the offensive line, Gage, you have a couple linemen to talk about. I do. Uh, I'm going to mention I'm going to mention three here. Two of them we're actually going to two of them we're not going to really talk about. 
Uh, Brady Christensen out of BYU. That's a guy that he is um, fallen. He's the popular mid-round developmental tackle type that everybody looks at. Um, he's a guy to look at. Super freak athlete. Again, like 93rd percentile three cone, 20 or 87th percentile 20 yard shuttle, broad jump, vert jump, 40 yard dash, all in the 90th percentile, like 97th percentile or better. Freak athlete across the board. Great guy in the middle rounds. Probably probably going to go round three right now. Might go round four. Um, another one to just talk about James Hudson out of Cincinnati. He's a guy that I think was trending in the right direction right up until the Georgia game. He's not a great athlete. Um, everything is like 54th percentile or worse, uh, which isn't great. But he's a talented player that if it wasn't for the Georgia game when he got ejected, I, and he because he was playing well, but he got frustrated, had the headbutt happen, and it was just it was over after that. I think that he would have been viewed as another like day four, like day two guy, late day two guy. But he's a guy that developmental tackle can have a possible future in the NFL. But the guy I'm really going to talk about. It's Trey Hill out of Georgia. Trey Hill, interior offensive lineman, uh, played center in college. He was he's 6'3, 330 pounds. He's a junior, which I love. I love getting like I love getting juniors that played like t- that played center because I know that he is going to just I know he's I know he's a fundamentally sound guy that can start from day one. He's younger. He like he was born in 2000, so he just turned 21 in January. He might not be able to start from day one for Green Bay, but for a team that just lost Corey Lindsley this offseason, they need interior offensive line depth. And I think that that's the big thing that the Chiefs losing the Super Bowl and getting just bowled over with no like no offensive line. Essentially, what we learned is offensive line matters. It needs important to have depth. And Trey Hill is a guy that will bring you good depth, can start at center. He can move around the interior offensive line. He didn't play exclusively centered because he did start at guard as well. Uh, he's more of a power running scheme guy, but the the guy's just the guy's a talented player. He's a little heavy footed, but he's he's just going to be super fundamentally sound and come in and start for you. And you're going to you're going to be OK. You're going to be happy with it. He may never be the best center or the best player at his position, but he will always be a talented player. And he's great against bull rushes as well is a major, major thing. He's got a lot of power. Just I'm a big fan of the big fan of the player. I love I love versatile offensive linemen, and I think I came around to that in the last couple of years with just the new regime for Green Bay. Um, where do you, where do you guys notice um, where Trey Hill's going to be drafted? I'm seeing this as a, possibly a free agent undrafted. That can't be correct, right? That there's no way that's possible. Uh, Athletic has has him at 190. He's probably okay. a day he's a day three guy. Could be Could because be he may be limited to just center in the NFL mm-hmm. potentially, and they his. With with three thirty, that's that could be tough uh, for a passing league. But well, he only met, he actually came in at three twenty at the like what he actually yeah. measured. He played at three thirty, but he measured in at three twenty. And I think something important to note, also I'm looking here, he did have uh, both his meniscus menisci uh, uh, repaired in December. So that could be the factor as well. A little lower on the draft board, not going to draft a guy with a. You know, knees that are just being reconstructed after the last four months. So, um, I like I like the prospect though, as far as the versatility. That's awesome and the athleticism. Yeah, it, yeah. And if you can get him, if you can get him on day three, there's there's worse guys that you can get on day three than a guy who is an SEC starter. He preseason all SEC, started 26 games for Georgia. Uh, 22 of those 26 starts came at center. Solid player. Solid player, built well. 
Yeah, and, and and there's something to be said about just having solid players on the line. I mean, with your, when you're in a uh, conference with Tampa Bay, with Seattle re- re- rebuilding their defensive line, Minnesota, Chicago, you need solid offensive linemen. And, I th- yeah, Hill can be that. So we flip over to the defense, which likely to be a prime target throughout the draft. We each do have a corner, which we'll get to in a minute. But my next one is on the defensive line, and I just want a monster in there. <laughs> and that's Tyler Shelvin. Uh, 6'2", 350, and he is every bit of 350. And, I mean, you need we need to stop the run. We need to give Kenny Clark a break every now and then. Lancaster and Lowry are more, are, aren't going to be the answer. If you put Shelvin in on first downs and just let him take up space on the goal line, I'm okay with that in day three. Absolutely, man. I don't know. And I've been banging my fist for a few years now, guys. And like Tyler Shelvin could be that dude. He's not Damon Snacks Harrison. He's not Sheldon Richardson. He's not, you know, Danny Shelton. He's a young guy. You don't have to spend a lot of, uh, you know, capital on him with in your salary cap. You can grab him day three, like you said, and pedigree from LSU, just a big body to compliment Kenny Clark. Um, and we were talking before the show here in a little, little pre-prep, like, yeah, that's fine. If you don't, if Danny, if uh, if Kenny Clark doesn't play nose tackle, I love him at the one of the outside DN spots. Like that's that's phenomenal for him in the three four. Let him be a little bit more versatile. Have a big guy like Tyler Shel- Shelvin taking up space um, over the over the center. Yeah, Shelvin is uh, like you said, massive. He's <laughs> six two and three hundred sixty pounds. He's a well fed young man. Fits perfectly in the nose tackle spot, which Green Bay hasn't really had. Like I understand they have Kenny Clark, but when I picture nose tackle, I'm picturing Tyler Shelvin. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing a I'm picturing a bowling ball with legs, okay? And that's what Tyler Shelvin is. And the best part about Shelvin is, yes, he's a bowling ball with legs, but more importantly, he's got really good hands. He's strong. He's got and he knows how to use his hands really well. He can find the football. He can disengage from blocks and he can finish. And that's great to have because if you're a guy like Shelvin, who he's not the best athlete out there, which obviously when you're 360 pounds, you're not going to be the best athlete. You have to be smart and you have to know how to use your size, and he knows how to do that. Against single blocks, that's that's a foolish – that's a fool, fool's errand right there. <laughs> he demands a double team. And when you command a double team as the nose tackle, that makes life easier on everybody else. Kenny Clark has been dealing with that for years. So let's go ahead and put Tyler Shelvin in there and let Kenny Clark not operate with a double team. And, okay, fine, you want to double Kenny? Guess what? Now you have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and Zadarius Smith coming on the outside. You only have so many blockers. And if you can take up two double teams with your two down linemen, that's going to make life easier on your edges, and it's going to make life easier on your blitzing linebackers, who one of them could be a guy that uh, Matt talks about here in a minute. Tyler Shelvin. No, hold on. If you can get Tyler Shelvin on day three, which – is going to be interesting because yep. he he's rated by some as a late day two prospect. If you can get him, I don't really like him on day two. I just think he's too limited. But if you can get him on day three, I think that there are definitely, like I said about Trey Hill, there's worse guy, ways to spend your draft capital on day three. For sure. So this will be a, a very likely day two pick. Matt, you, you got a linebacker that you've we've been talking about, and I do like this player a lot. And it's weird to say he's a sleeper from Ohio State, but he's a sleeper from Ohio State. He's a sleeper from Ohio State, and it's I like the uh, I like the validation from you guys where you're just like we're all agreeing at, at either two out of the three of us or three out of the three are saying like we like these guys, and I think this is a three out of three smash hit with Baron Browning from Ohio State. 
Six three linebacker, two forty five, extremely versatile. Um, as I've said all along throughout this entire preview of all the pack of day episodes for the draft, like I love guys that are versatile. If you don't have to put them in one spot, they can play across either the offensive line, defensive line. This guy can play hybrid type of situation. He can he can rush the passer. He can he tackles very well. He's a sure tackler. He can cover uh, more than likely a tight end in the league. But here's a guy too that we talked about extremely all over the board. And I don't know if that's the case for all these sleepers that we've discussed, but um, we mentioned uh, early on, I think Mike brought it up before the, before the episode, he was ranked 19th on one board overall um, player ranking. We had him another one that was like 98th, just an extreme. And I think that's based off of talent, right? He's just an absolute freak, absolute freak. Like he is one of the most gifted guys in this league, in this draft, but just kind of, not polished enough. And if he goes into a situation where you can use his size, length and strength that is off the charts and manifest that into something that could be a starter down the road, um, get him some snaps, maybe on third down, get him some snaps on special teams, most definitely. Um, and let him kind of work his way into the league. And this is a type of guy that, you know, I just see the the league is trending towards more as we play more and more um, sub package nickel defenses. Um, a guy like, Baron Browning is coming into a situation where he could absolutely be a monster for a team um, down the road. Yeah, uh, he, like you said, athletic freak. There are a couple of them in this class. Jamin Davis out of Kentucky is the other one. Davis went from not really being talked about to some calling him a borderline first round pick after his pro day. Baron Browning's the same way. Baron Browning was viewed as the other linebacker at Ohio State. They have Pete, Pete Werner, Baron Browning, and then I can't remember the other one off the top of my head right now. Um, but Baron Browning went out and crushed his pro day. 94th percentile in the 40, 98th percentile in the vert and broad jump, three-cone drilled, 95th percentile. He's you're, he's the guy you're looking for that you can put out you can put out on the field and just say, hey, I need you to go run around and be ath- more athletic than any other linebacker these guys have played against this year. That's what he does. He's a senior, so he's been around for a while, played in the Big Ten, so you and so he's had to run into offenses that prefer to run the ball than versus throwing the ball, which is the only the only conference in the country that prefers to do things that way. And he's if he can just put it all together, he's got the physical skills, he's started, he's got some he's got all the talent there, and he's shown flashes of it. It's just the consistency at this point. He's not a great – he's not super great in coverage yet. That's just mm-hmm. one of those things that's going to come with time. But as a blitzer, which is another thing that if you get Tyler Shelvin and you have Baron Browning, you now have – Baron Browning is getting a lot more free runs at a quarterback, and he's going to run down a lot of dudes when he's running 4, 5, 6. His 40 was .03 slower than Josh Bebe that we talked about just a while ago. So, <laughs> so Baron Browning – if you're getting him on day two, that's fine. Uh, I think the day one buzz is a little overzealous um, for, for my liking, but to each their own, everybody's a lot of great players however they want. Guy's a five-star player coming into college. He's got all the physical tools needed. He's shown the flashes to show that he can beat, get there mentally. It's just all about consistency now. Um, he's more of a 4-3 type backer, but uh, if you can get him like 3-4 and play him in as an inside backer, and granted, Green Bay is going to be playing multiple coverages and multiple mm-hmm. lineups anyway, so it doesn't really matter nearly as much as it used to. But yeah, Baron Browning, day two, love him. Day one, not so much. Fair enough. So let's move back to the position that's going to be talked about the most, and that's corner. We each picked one. So let's talk about off-field. I'll start with mine, and then going back to the Big Ten with Shakur Brown out of Michigan State. 
185, and he plays bigger than he does. He is fearless. He's willing to make a play. He, but he does gamble. He's going to make a lot of picks. He'll jump, but he'll he'll bite on double moves. He'll bite on some fakes. But he's one of the biggest plays that we don't talk about enough in the NFC title game was the drop pick by Will Redmond. Mm-hmm. Shakur Brown, see the football, get the football, return the football. <laughs> I want a guy like that. And if, if he can come in, play the third or fourth corner, make some plays, play fearless, play confident, bring him in. And he's a guy who's rising quickly up boards recently as well. He's he's a stud, man. Everything like you said, there's just like, you know, he might be undersized. I think that's a fair assessment of him. Um, I don't know where he if he, he's obviously not going to be a bump and run corner. I don't think it's his game. He's more of like playing space type thing. Like you said, Mike, he's going to make plays. Um, you, but you can't teach you know, instinct. I mean, you can teach instinct, but there's just like some people just have a nose for a ball. And um, he's the type of dude that I think you can line up in different positions. Um, absolutely. He's got decent technique. Um, there's there's some things I think you can work on. He would be a great, great asset to that secondary right now that doesn't need someone to come in as a starter, especially now that Kevin King's back, which is huge, I think, um, to let some of these younger guys develop. But um, I would be very, very pleased to see Shakir Brown um, be in green and yellow. Yeah. Um, one quick thing. Quentin Rollins is a 70% athletic comp to uh, to Shakur Brown at who, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I wanted, I saw that name, but I was like, I gotta mention this. Yeah, five nine three quarters, one eighty five. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah, I Shaker Brown's interesting. Um, I, it's it's probably a little bit of personal bias. I like the corner that uh, I mentioned a li- that I'm going to mention a little mm-hmm. bit more, but just Brown is his athletics really bother me. Four six four in the forty. Is that just you test slow or you are slow? Vert's not overly impressive. Just no, none of his athletics were any super anything super impressive. Which obviously that doesn't necessarily mean everything. That's not the end all be all. But I, I if you're running four six, that's there's a lot of guys that are gonna dust you and they're not gonna really be breaking a sweat doing so. But like you said, you can't really teach ball production. Five picks is uh, in his final season. Uh, four pass defense in that final in that final season in seven games. So five picks in seven games is really good. Um, never going to be much of a tackler just at five, nine, you're not going to be. So I think at the end of the day, he probably profiles as a true slot guy and with Shannon Sullivan now back as well. I mean, you mentioned Kevin King, but Shannon Sullivan also signed his, uh, free agent Mm -hmm. tender. So he's back. So you're right. Brown doesn't have to start from day one and you're probably going to be able to get him for a day three pick and green Bay has a ton of those. So if you're taking a shot and saying, you know what, maybe he can produce picks at a high level in the NFL. Great. Um, and you can do worse than getting a guy who has played a lot of ball in college. Granted, he has only played a total of 21 games in three seasons, so he has dealt with injuries. And if, I don't know if that's a size thing or, or what that uh, what that issue is, but it will be something to pay attention to. And also again, don't forget Michigan State did change coaches going into this past season as well. Mm-hmm. So we have from D'Antonio to Mel Tucker. But the thing I like about Brown, and this is I love what Dane Brugler wrote about him. He takes it personally when a pass is completed. He's that type of competitor, and he's got he's decisive in his foot quickness and ball skills are promising traits that are worth developing. He is one of the most confident and physical D-backs in the class despite his size, and he and he doesn't second-guess himself. Like that kind of stuff. I, I want you to be decisive with everything they do on the field. Hesitate, you lose. That's, that's for me, been a basic rule in any sport. So there's one corner. Gage will go to your next one. Uh, which corner do you want to talk about? 
We're going to talk about Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. Trey Brown is a guy that has really flown under the radar this off this draft cycle for a couple of reasons. He's five nine and a half. He's not big at all. In fact, at his, well, his pro day he measured five nine and three quarters. So, little a little little bit of extra height there. But he, five nine and three quarters, hundred eighty five pounds. He's not super big. He's a little bit grabby in nature, but. At the same time, the guy has played 51 career games at Oklahoma. He played 51 games in a division that, or in a conference that throws the ball more than everybody. He plays nickel, which complements Jair well, and then Kevin King, if he's able to bounce back, and if Kevin King doesn't bounce back, that's okay. You can go find other bump and run corners. I think nickel corner is a position that one is growing in importance in a ton because you have teams that put not only just their small their small receiver there like a julian edelman or a wes welker type but they put their they put their regular receiver out there they put Devonte adams they put new cop well not new Hopkins because he's only allowed to play one position in arizona's basic offense Jeez. but but other receivers that play in good offenses like tyree kill play in the slot so you need to have your guys be ready out there and similar to shakur brown Brown's not the biggest guy, but he is a, he's a little bit of a gamer. He's willing to go out there and try and break up passes. He, in the past three seasons, he has 29 pass breakups in three years. That's really good. He had three picks this last year. Great. He's not he's I so for me it's one of those I see Shakur Brown going day three or I see Trey Brown going day three. Trey Brown's a better athlete. Not not he's not a supreme one, but he's a better athlete, and he's played he's played more. He's played in a in my he's played in a conference that throws the ball more and he has made a lot he's still making a lot of plays in the ball he's a little small great but if i'm picking between these two small corners i'm going to take the one that's a little bit better of an athlete nothing against Shakur brown just uh where i'm leaning here because i'd rather take a better athlete than take a guy like if i'm taking two guys the same size give me the better athlete that's fair and, and brown very similar very competitive last two years only allowed 37 percent completions in coverage in the last two two years uh he, he does jump routes pretty well and he's very very aggressive like you said like Shakur Brown but he is faster he's uh, seems to be with that experience playing in the big 12 and have also to deal with Lincoln Riley's bizarre offense or crazy mm-hmm. offense during practice for multiple seasons he's going to be able to recognize routes fairly decently but again the thing that hurts me though is grabby that's and I remember a few weeks ago you were you were Gage you were against J.C. Horn for the same reason. If you're you can be the greatest ball reactor of all time, but if you're grabbing the receiver before then, that's that's a problem. I agree. The one thing the one difference that I have between the two is well the the main thing with grabby is I think it has to come with the context. Like, are you getting grabby because you're getting beat, or are you getting grabby just because you're physical? I think J.C. Horn is is physical and he had like some he didn't have the most fluid of hips but i but i don't think and but i just think he's more physical than anything trey brown yeah he is grabby that is a concern i do have but i i don't but again and i don't but i don't think he's getting beat and that's why he's grabbing i do think it is a concern though and with him being the with him being the fourth hypothetical fourth corner in this scenario i'm okay with getting a guy that's a little grabby because he mm-hmm. does have time to develop. He wouldn't have to start from day one. They can just say, hey, if you grab a like if you grab a receiver today, you got to go run a lap or something. I don't know. I don't know what NFL teams do when you mess up, but there you go. 
for sure. Take yeah, boxing and I, gloves I, on your hands. <laughs> I love that technique. Um, I I think honestly Trey Brown, he's a technician, uh, absolute stud when it comes to working on his craft, working on his technique. Um, he had two game ceiling interceptions this year, one against um, Sam Ellinger and Texas, and also in the Big Twelve Championship game to close out against uh, Iowa State. Uh, something as well that I've been preaching again. I'm looking to beat the dead horse even more 1200 uh kick return yards in his career um that's awesome let's see if he can come and compete as a kick returner um definitely has some skills there and he could contribute any way possible like you mentioned maybe he could play fourth corner that's cool i'm not opposed to that um kadar hallman might be you know on his way out similar skill set to him quick dude with uh, athleticism so let's see what trey brown can do for sure. So let's hit to our last player, and we're going back to corner. And this mm-hmm. one is, might be rated the highest of the three on most boards. A little more of a developmental guy, but also the biggest. And Matt, you talked about Robert Rochelle. What do you what do you like? What do you like about him? I like Rochelle's athleticism, and all three of the guys I've selected between Browning, Spencer, uh, Spencer Brown, and Robert Rochelle, they're all absolute athletes. Um, Robert Rochelle, here's a guy from Central Arkansas who really just was completely under the radar. Like, I don't remember the last time someone came out of Central Arkansas, maybe Arkansas State, uh, maybe Arkansas overall, but like Central Arkansas, extremely under the radar, more under the radar than uh, Northern Iowa. But you look at you look at his statistics and 2018, 2019 had nine interceptions this last year was never really thrown to. He got the Jair Alexander treatment. So here's a dude also where I'm looking at when it comes to everything that matters for a corner, he has. He has, you know, he's almost six foot. He's almost 200 pounds. You got almost an 80 inch wingspan. I, to me, he's a dude that I would just love to have as a Packers for a project. Um, like you mentioned, maybe not necessarily a sleeper based off of where he's being projected, but it's definitely a sleeper from his college um, playing in the Southland college Southland uh, conference, not the best pedigree. I'm sure Gage will reference some team that, you know, beat coastal Carolina or something like he did a couple weeks ago to me. But overall, the one thing with Robert Rochelle is like, I don't know exactly his measurables ESPN and Wikipedia have him at six, two. And now then I'll obviously see him. He's like five eleven, five and a five eleven and a half. If you're six, two, and you can move. That's awesome. If you're sub six foot, like it's still important. But like, I feel like those other two inches could make you into, you know, an outside bump and run corner a little bit. Um, the only I guess the glaring point, if you're going to look to really nitpick, um, you know, nine point six five RAS. Phenomenal. Love that. Goody loves that bench press as a nine. You only got nine reps up. So obviously the strength is going to be a factor if you're going to try to be a bump and run corner. But um, everything else you love four, four, 40, 43 inch vertical, 11 foot broad jump. I mean, he's an absolute monster when it comes to the splits and the cone drills. Um, and I think this is a dude that would be an absolute piece to this Packers defense, um, from years to come. Okay. So real quick, five eleven three quarters. That was his height, um, given by like at his pro day, okay. uh, five, 11, three quarters, 193 pounds. So, so yeah, six, two, no, that's pipe dream. Second thing, uh, the last time a player was drafted out of Central Arkansas was 2018. Who was it? Uh, it was Traymond Smith, uh, who was drafted by the Chiefs in the sixth round. For the Packers. Yeah, he was a kicker here for the Packers for a few games. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> Traymond Tray- Smith uh, won a Super Bowl last year with Chiefs. Or, yeah, last year with the Chiefs. There you go. Uh, there was actually, yeah, there's three guys that started their NFL careers out of the Central Arkansas in 2018. 
Thank you, Pro Football Reference, for giving me that information. Um, yeah, Rob Rochelle is a interesting, interesting case. He, like you said, Matt, really good athlete, great, uh, great broad jumps, uh, fastest of the three corners that we've talked about so far, uh, decent measurables in the 20-yard split and the 10-yard split. He's not the he's not the tallest guy, but then again, I mean, he's taller than the other two, and that's and that's good. At the end of the day, we're talking about finding athletes on the outside, and he's a press man corner. If it wasn't for a like, so he tore his ACL as a senior in high school, but he's been relatively healthy otherwise. He's a little stiff in the hips, but he's a physical guy. He's similar to Kevin King in that aspect of he wants to play big physical. He wants to be in your face while Jair plays on the other side, plays off coverage. So Rochelle is another guy where we know they're going to take at least one developmental corner. Some of his athletic comps are Ronald Darby, Jeffrey Akuda, Darius Butler. There's some good names in there. Um, I don't necessarily – I don't know where I would rank him in terms of the other three. I think I would probably have him as the top player among those three guys, but I think – but it's but it's kind of close. I think at the end of the day, you're he's a little long in the tooth. He is a redshirt senior, so he is a little older, but um, I think you can do – at the end, like we said, you're taking shots at athletes at the, at, in the late rounds. And Rochelle's an athlete, just like any all three of the guys you talked about today, Matt. So, for sure, and I'm, I'm with you guys. I think I think that his he's the highest ceiling of the three corners that we we just talked about. Uh, if he, if he refines his technique a little bit, it's he he'll be a beast. The already being a little bit older, playing at a small school with very little competition compared to what he's going to be facing in the NFL, makes me just a touch nervous. We've seen that in the past with guys who have all of the ability that don't quite pan out in the NFL level, Cough, Quentin Rollins. But there, there's a lot of those players who, who don't develop and a lot who do. Uh, it, he's worth a day three pick. He, I think round four, round five, take a shot if he falls. And at the very least, you're going to have a crazy athlete who's going to be chasing down punts on special teams at the very least. So I think Rochelle, yeah, he's, don't sleep on him. I think you're going to hear his name in the NFL quite a bit. So there we have nine players that we've talked about. Uh, broken down some sleepers. We're now just four days away from the NFL draft. It's going to be amazing whether the Packers make a pick on Thursday or not. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on, a lot of coverage going on. I know we'll be breaking down day three when that's done, when talking about, about who the Packers pick on that day, because there's going to be a lot of names to talk about at that point. But until then, uh, Matt, what are you working on? Working on Game on Wisconsin stuff, really. Um, we have a draft show on this, for the entire well the first two days um third day obviously i'll be focused on for us and previewing the, the episode we're doing but game on wisconsin stuff we have a little draft prediction um you can head to game on wisconsin go to our, check out our our twitter page it's the links there you can fill it out and we're doing a little giveaway action for some merch so if you think you're good with the first round selections and you know who maybe the the jets are selecting as no one else really seems to uh go ahead and fill that out but other than that, just continuing with you guys. Um, it's been an absolute blast thus far, diving into your uh, your knowledge of the the draft and all the prospects. But um, continue to do that, and um, just hoping for another thousand episodes for Packaday as we continue. Gage, what do you got going? As usual, you can find me over on Twitter at gbirchford NFL. I'm doing a I'm doing a lot less work than I was a few weeks ago uh, with the draft basically here, and I said that I'm just ready for it to be here. Uh, I've I've done I'm done doing uh, evals like I'm still looking at players here and there. But for the most part, I have wound down a lot of the work that I'm doing. Uh, you can find all of my stuff. I do things. I'm doing uh, NFL previews for the fall for Denver for uh, for Dynasty Nerds. 
still doing Denver Nuggets coverage for Denver Stiffs, doing stuff for Roto Baller, and just stuff a little bit everywhere, but you can find it all on my Twitter. That's the easiest way to do so. Before we get out of here, guys, if you had to make – Green Bay doesn't trade out. Green Bay stays at 29, and they make a pick. Who's the pick? Who? Not even a position? Oh, man. Nope. No, no that's boring. Oh, gosh. Who, who are they picking? Mike, Landon do you have a Dickerson. guess? Landon Dang. Dickerson of Alabama. Landon Dickerson? Okay. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. Sante Samuel Jr. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be either one of those guys. <laughs> I like to be wrong. No, that's. I was just like the thing about Dickerson is just like his stock of going day ones falling and his and whatnot. And I like. I want to say it's Rashad Bateman, but I know it's not gonna be Rashad Bateman. I know it. I know it isn't. Um, I think it's. I, uh, I think it's gonna be Greg Newsom. I think that there's people that are too. I think there's people that are too high on him in terms of like the media. But I also think, and I think the NFL isn't quite as high on him as some of the people in the media think. So I think he'll be there near the end of the first round. And Newsom is a guy that I think could develop and give you snap or legit snaps in year one. As long as he stays healthy, there's nothing stopping the kid. I like that. Fair enough. So as you wrap things up, if I'm on Twitter, Mike Wendland, Ted Zaleski Sports uh, Broadcasting. I'll be doing a lot of high school baseball and softball this upcoming week now that it's spring and it is a good day in Wisconsin. So that being said, we'll say so long for now. Stay tuned every day for more draft coverage right here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Find us where all your favorite uh, podcast platforms are, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the like. Our YouTube channel with Andy Herman, he's done great work there. And, of course, follow these guys at Game on Wisconsin as well. So for all of us, Matt Freilich, Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Stay warm, stay safe, enjoy the draft coming up, and, of course, carry the G and go Pack Go. <laughs>